Amos chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. This is God's word. Amen. Let's take our seats. Well, as we come now to uh, God's Word, let's bow our heads and pray together. Our Lord, as we've just sung, we do indeed ask that you would speak. Speak, O Lord. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you'd help us, uh, Lord, to understand, uh, to receive, uh, grant us receptivity, an um, attitude of openness. Uh, Lord, uh, I pray that you would help me to explain uh, the Bible clearly. And uh, Father, we pray for the work of your Spirit to do the supernatural, transformative work uh, that is the work of your Word in us. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Over the years, I have learnt not to mention from the pulpit movies that I either have not seen or have not seen recently. One such movie that I did mention that I hadn't seen for a number of years, uh, I mentioned here some time ago, Uh, when I was asked what my favorite movie was, and I replied, Blade Runner. Blade Runner is a sci-fi dystopian movie from the 1980s, and I hadn't seen it for years when I mentioned that. I I watched it again a little more recently and was rather embarrassed that I'd I'd recommended it. Uh, Bruce Wilson, who was the missions pastor here at the time, used to tease me that after I'd mentioned it, uh, he had discovered that at the Wheaton Library... Blade Runner was the most rented movie for the next few months. So I take my courage in both hands this morning uh, to mention a movie that I have not seen. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's behind a paywall, and it's called American Gospel. It is, I think, quite an important movie, Uh, because it uh, purports to describe various unhealthy, indeed, heresies being taught in the American church today under the umbrella of the so-called prosperity gospel. Now, we've already seen from the book of Amos that the issues of injustice are ones which, for which we all need to take responsibility. Is it wrong, right, or woke? It's us. It's all of us. We're all involved. Uh, the line between good and evil runs down the heart of every single human person. But, of course, the uh, pushback to that uh, is, surely it's rather different for God's people. 
Surely God's people have a get-out-of-jail-free card. Surely we're saved by grace. Uh, Surely God overlooks our faults. Surely we are not held to account for our failures, mistakes, and sins. And so Amos here, in this, his second sermon, which really goes throughout the whole of chapter 3, we just read out the, the, the core of it in verse 2, uh, he uh, answers that uh, pushback. And his sermon, unlike last week's sermon uh, that we looked at, which was a slow burner that gradually built to a really shocking conclusion, this week... His sermon is really summarized in a very short, what in contemporary terms we would call a tweet. It's a very brief aphorism, proverbial saying, a tweet, and it's in verse 2. And in our terms, it would have, this tweet would have blown up the internet, would have gone viral immediately. So shocking was it what Amos was saying, what God was saying through Amos. So we're going to look at that, and then the rest of the sermon that he has here, really, he's defending his his tweet, and we'll look more briefly at that and then apply it. So what he says, what God says through him in this very brief tweet, aphorism, is in verse 2. It goes like this, you only have I known... Of all the families of the earth, therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. What an extraordinary thing to say. You only, uh, God is speaking through Amos, have I known of all the families of the earth. And therefore, God is saying, I have a unique relationship with you, my people. This is the anti-universalism text. God does not have the same relationship with all the peoples of the earth. He has a unique relationship with his people. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. So there's a unique special relationship that God has with his people. And you would think that the follow-up to that would be blessing encouragement, kindness, protection, preservation, and yet instead it's punishment. What on earth is Amos saying? Well, let's look at it together. And indeed, it was even more shocking than it perhaps appears at uh, face level. For when he says, you only have I known, that word known can have a broad meaning in Hebrew. It can mean simply intellectual knowledge, uh, familiarity with something. I I know that something is true. But it also can mean uh, intimacy. It's the same word that's used for marital intimacy. God has a special intimate relationship with his people, a special connection to his people. But what is more, that word known was the same word that God used for his relationship with Abraham and the covenant that God set up with Abraham and of course all of uh, God's people and the blessing of the covenant of God's people comes from that covenant with Abraham 
to the people of Israel, but then also to all nations, as God promised to Abraham his blessing through Christ would go to all nations. So when they heard him say, you only have I known, in their mind, immediately, I think, would have sprung up their familiarity with God saying, I know you, Abraham. I have a special covenant relationship with you, Abraham. And so he says, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. In other words, I elected you. I called you. You are my elect people. I chose you. And therefore, I have an intimate relationship with you. And it's unique. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. And so Amos is pulling the big guns out here. He's, he's appealing to their recognition that they had a unique relationship with God that goes right the way back in their story to Abraham and in our story as New Testament people to Abraham as well. For God promised to bless all nations through the covenant blessing to Abraham. Right the way back to that covenant relationship. You only have I known Abraham. Election, chosen, grace, special relationship. And once again, we would think that the corollary to that, the, the consequence to that, would be blessing and encouragement and protection. How shocking it must have been to have this tweet sent out the first time it was heard, you only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish. And yet that word punish um, is literally visit, and the word visit could have both positive and negative connotations. Obviously, you can visit someone, come alongside them to be next to them and... um, be a part of their lives in a positive sense, or you can visit them in a, in a negative, uh, more disciplined kind of sense. But the word visit here was actually the same word that God used when he visited his people in their slavery in Egypt to rescue them. He visited them. And that rescue from Egypt would have been right at the forefront of their minds because in verse 1, Amos had just evoked that story. He says, you are the people that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. And now he uses that same word that God used when he rescued his people or brought them up out of the land of Egypt. He visited them. He heard their cry. They were in slavery. He heard their difficulty. He heard their trauma and trouble, and he visited them. So again, put yourselves in the minds of the original hearers as they heard this message given for the first time. You only have I known Abraham, covenant, special intimate relationship, promises of God's preservation and protection. You only have I known of all the families of the earth, a unique relationship, Therefore, I will visit you, rescue, redemption from slavery, God's people brought up out of Egypt. Therefore, I will visit you. And it's not until the very last word 
that they understand what God is saying through Amos. Therefore, I visit you for all your iniquities. What a shock. And yes, I think it certainly would have gone viral immediately, blown up the internet. It is exactly not what they had expected to hear. Of course, uh, the New Testament uh, teaches the same thing. In the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, uh, we are taught uh, that in the same way that our parents discipline us out of love for us, so God disciplines His people. You know, uh, one of the ways that we are aware that our own parents love us and one of the ways that we as a parent express our love for our children is by training them, correcting them, pointing them in the right direction. That is hard work. It's hard work to train a child, uh, whether it's to learn baseball or to learn mathematics or to shape their character morally and spiritually. That's hard work. It's much easier just to let them be. One of the ways that our children know that we love them is that we are willing to do the hard work of coming alongside and correcting and training. We don't just let them run ragged in the streets. Similarly, God is saying that this special covenant relationship with him means that we have a special responsibility one to which he will hold us account. He will hold us to account. And what that means is the reason for why the church, uh, God's people in Amos's day, uh, the reason why they were uh, so um, in, in such obvious difficulties and though there were lots of people going to the various uh, uh, services, it it was flat and immoral and it seemed like the religious life of the day had gone down. The reason why the church in the West, I was just talking with someone um, outside after the eight o'clock service about various universities that used to be uh, uh, faithful to God and now are not, uh, the reason why uh, church attendance figures in, in the Western world, Western Europe, and even these days to some extent in America, are no longer on the up and up, is not uh, because of um, technological change, is not because of the intellectual challenges of post-modernity and critical theory is not because of the sociological and medical and um, relational challenges that have come with COVID. All those things may be factors, but none of them are the reason. What is the reason? Our sins. And God's discipline. 
Now that will blow up the internet. It would shock people today. And it shocked them then. Indeed, the rest of Amos's, this is second sermon, chapter three, is basically defending what he's just said. And I won't go through it in great detail in the way I have verse two, but let me just give you a quick overview of it. He, he basically uh, defends it in two ways. Uh, uh, the first, verses three to eight, he introduces a whole series of questions that have an obvious answer to them. And so he's saying that what I'm saying is actually obvious. And then uh, in verse uh, 9 to 15, he introduces witnesses to, to back what he's saying. The questions are all obvious. obvious. So, for instance, verse 3, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? In other words, you see a couple of people walking down the street and they're in conversation together. They've clearly arranged a meeting. The answer is, well, of course they've arranged a meeting. Uh, or verse 5, does a bird fall in a snare on the earth when there's no trap for it? No, of course there is. Uh, there must have been a trap for it. So similarly, he says, verse 7, uh, the Lord God has revealed to this his prophets. So the, he, Amos is saying what God has told him to say. He's using these Socratic questions that have an obvious answer to show them that it's equally obvious that Amos would not be preaching such an unpopular message if God had not told him to say it. And then uh, in verses 9 to 15, he moves out of the sort of Socratic questioning schoolroom approach to defend uh, what he's saying about God's discipline on his people uh, into the uh, courtroom And he brings in witnesses. But what's amazing about this is that the witnesses he brings in are witnesses from the pagan nations, uh, from what we would call secular society. So he, he brings in Ashdod and Egypt as witnesses uh, that what he has said is obviously True. Even Ashdod and Egypt can see it. Even the pagan nations can see it. Even secular society can see it. There is even a movie on Amazon Prime about it. Uh, These days I uh, sometimes get interviewed for podcasts. Podcasts are very fashionable and trendy right now. Everyone's listening to a podcast and and everyone seems to have a podcast. And uh, this week I was interviewed for a leadership podcast and it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. And uh, one of the questions I was asked, you know, these sort of interviews, they try to get behind the sort of the public persona and see what the person's like at home. And one of the questions the person asked was, how do you get out of bed first thing in the morning? And uh, I have a slightly unusual way of getting out of bed first thing in the morning. So I told the person, so what I do is I have an alarm on my phone and I've changed the alarm to play a particular piece of music to get me out of bed. And uh, that particular piece of music is a clip from a Keith Green song. Keith Green was the 1970s uh, contemporary music art, Christian, uh, Christian contemporary music artist. 
And that Keith Green clip that wakes me up every morning has this line in it, which goes like this, Jesus rose from the dead, but you, you can't even get out of bed. And that wakes me up. Uh, I was introduced to Keith Green when I was a a 20-year-old, when I was running quite a large Christian organization and was totally out of my depth. And a friend of mine um, decided to encourage me uh, that every Monday afternoon he would do my grocery shopping for me and then cook me a meal because he thought that otherwise I probably wouldn't have time to shop or eat, which was true. And um, he introduced me to Keith Green. He gave me a, a cassette tape, if you remember those things, of, uh, of Keith Green. I listened to it over and over and over again. Keith Green was a, a prophetic voice. And uh, in that song from which that clip I just mentioned uh, comes from, there's a, a chorus or a verse that goes like this. Can't you see... It's such a sin. The world is asleep in the dark, but the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. And then he says, How can you be so dead? when you've been so well fed? It's a good question. Our unique relationship, if we're a Christian this morning, and if you're not a Christian, we always expect that there are non-Christians with us, by the way, at College Church as well. We want you here. We want you to have the freedom to explore the Christian faith. This should encourage you that we are calling the church to be more like Jesus. And of course, the church can disappoint non-Christians when they find that we're not as much like Jesus as we should be. But for those of us who are Christians here this morning, our special relationship with Jesus leads to a special set of responsibilities to which God will hold us account. Uh, the Bible's very clear about this. Uh, Paul says in uh, Romans uh, chapter 12, therefore in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Or Jesus at the end of Matthew's gospel uh, says, and Matthew records it for us, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore... Go and make disciples. So as God's people, you you and I, we have to choose our therefore. God will hold us to account for how we make the most of all that he has blessed us with. Uh, He will um, discipline us. If uh, we do not repent, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will visit you for all your iniquities. That's a potential therefore. 
All authority on heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples in view of God's mercy. Therefore, offer your body as a living sacrifice. You have to choose your therefore. Which therefore will it be? Let's pray together. Oh Lord God, we do um, pray that you would, uh, by your Spirit, convict us graciously of our sins. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Lord, would you draw your people here in Wheaton and around America back to you and your word and faithfulness to you? Would you, Lord, avert your hand of discipline from your people? But we know for that to be the case, we need to repent. Help us, Lord, not in our desire to hear nice things, to avoid the clear teaching of your word that there is a therefore that is a consequence to our privileged relationship with you. Help us then, therefore, Lord, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices in service, in uh, love to our neighbors and to our families. Help us then, Lord, uh, to therefore make disciples of all nations, including our children, our um, spouses, our neighbors, our friends, our churches, and uh, yes, Lord, all nations. So grant us uh, this repentance unto life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.